Hello and welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that aims to redefine what it means to reach our full potential by exploring how movement and mindset impacts all of our lives and how we can all work to reach the full version of ourselves. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I welcome Brooke Scholl. Brooke is a dietitian on our team at TEC. Um, She is also a triathlete. She is a marathon runner. She is a mom of three young kids. Um, And just an all-around amazing person. Brooke's energy, Brooke's excitement and conviction for who she is and what she does and why she does what she does is really infectious and makes for a really impactful conversation. Um, We kick things off by just exploring some of Brooke's uh, personal background, Um, what got her to where she's at today. And she shares with us um, some vulnerability around her personal struggles um, with disordered eating um, as a young woman in college and how that ultimately informed where she is in life, uh, her, her uh, decision ultimately uh, in, her, in her later 20s to pursue nutrition um, from an education perspective and ultimately to pursue that as a career. And so just to be a part of or have some insight into her journey, I think is really impactful. Anytime we get the opportunity to see kind of behind the scenes of what brings someone to where they're at, what steps in their lives, what experiences have informed who they are and why they do what they do and why they feel so passionately and strongly and connected to certain um, certain topics, certain um, certain areas that they feel like they have to engage in. And I think that's really what you'll pick up with Brooke is that it almost was like she had to do this. And I've been fortunate enough to work with her in other areas of her life and her business um, as she continues to work to impact more athletes' lives and grow her business. And to be behind the scenes and to hear how um, how connected she is to what she does and to hear her mission and vision for, um, for her nutrition uh, company, she really does it because she genuinely wants people to have a better life, to, to have the confidence to explore their capabilities and to reach their full potential and for people to not struggle like she struggled in the past. And so to just hear these, um, these stories from people is, is really one of the things that I enjoy most um, about this podcast and about engaging um, with with talented and passionate people. So we go through Brooks, uh, share some of her life story. We also explore, you know, different fads in nutrition. You know, what works and what doesn't? Uh, what are some of the things we can trust? What are some of the things we might should toss aside? Um, there's so much out there when it comes to nutrition. It's so nuanced. It's so complex. It's so dynamic. We're also getting fed so much marketing around what we should or shouldn't do. I'll put both of those words in quotations that 
it's hard. It's a messy space. And when you are trying to feel good, be healthy, fuel your body in whatever capacity and, and through whatever lens that is for you, whether you're coming at it from an athlete's perspective or you're just someone that wants to feel good and wants to be energized and wants to, you know, cook meals that are, um, that, that are exciting and that make you feel good and support you and your family and your friends, wherever you're at in that spectrum and however you think about food, there's so much out there and it's so hard to navigate. And Brooke does a really good job of breaking down just some of the core tenets and things that we should we should think about, things that we can take to the bank and things that we might not need to pay as much attention to. Um, and it's everything from, you know, what is an ideal body type, right? We talk about that a lot and that, that there's just such a skewed misconception of what that actually looks like and, and how food plays into that. We talk about mental toughness and how that progresses with age and how as we learn and grow and continue to engage in things that, that challenge us, we just naturally become more mentally tough and there's a real beauty to that. We talk about confidence and how that builds over time. Um, we get down to some specific products as it relates to nutrition and endurance sports and um, and Brooke weighs in there. So really, really great dynamic conversation. Everything from, again, Brooke's personal story, story with disordered eating to some very um, specific conversations around fueling and nutrition strategies related to endurance sports to more broad topics like body composition and um, just eating to feel good and, you know, some mindset shifts around how we fuel our bodies. So um, I can't wait for you guys to listen to this one again. Brooke is uh, is the newest dietitian on our team at TEC. She's bringing so much energy, so much commitment and passion uh, to what we do at TEC. And it really is an honor to have the opportunity to share uh, just part of her story and, and part of what she has to offer um, to the world uh, in this podcast episode. So uh, I'm really excited to put this one out. If you want to speak with Brooke, you can contact her um, at thomasenduranceCoaching.com. Um, if you go to the Our Team section, um, you can look at Brooke's bio. You can connect with her directly there. Um, feel free to send us a note to it, enduranceminded.com. We'll gladly put you in touch uh, with Brooke. Um, again, that's thomasenduranceCoaching.com. Click uh, on the left-hand side at the top of the header, click Our Team, and then you can access Brooke's bio there. You can read a little bit more about her and connect with her directly um, and set up a free consultation call if you want to uh, understand more about what Brooke does and how she can help you reach your goals. So um, without making you wait any longer, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Brooke Scholl. Hey, Brooke, welcome to Endurance Minded. Thank you. Yeah, so um, lots to talk about. We'll kick things off with maybe just a bit of background on how you arrived at where you're at. Um, you're uh, an athlete yourself who's continued to set goals and push yourself, and you've been involved in lots of different um, capacities and endurance sports. You're also a dietitian. Um, you uh, own a, a sports nutrition company that helps athletes. Uh, dial in their nutrition. Um, so yeah, give us uh, give us some background, like what brought you to where you're at, and um, all the twists and and turns in the road. That I'm sure that 
that led you there. Um, yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so I've always had a passion for nutrition. And when I went to college, I went to Arizona State. And when I was doing my undergrad there, you know, ages 18 to 22, I looked into the nutrition program and I took one look at this laundry list of chemistry classes. And I was like, whew, I don't know if I'm, I don't, I don't know if I'm here in college for this experience right now. So I, uh, I ended up delaying my, my nutrition degree and I went communication degree route the first time. And that was good. I came out, worked for a company, human resources, and then went into meeting planning. And I just had this pull in the back of my head, always like, you need to be in nutrition. You need to get into nutrition. When I was about 20, uh, no, 19 to 21, around there, um, I experienced a bout with disorder eating myself. I had a very um, traumatic freshman year of college. And it kind of sent me into an anorexia bout. And so I'd had personal experience with it. And I just felt like I'm supposed to be helping people. This is what I'm because I luckily I am someone that recovered from it um, fully. And I just felt like I wanted to help people. So I started this nutrition program. I went back to school at age 27 went back to the community college route because this time I was paying for it all myself. Um, so I left this pretty good job with a pharmaceutical company to go back and pursue these nutrition degrees. My parents were like, what, were you, what are you doing? Um, and uh, so I started back at the community college and then I worked back up to ASU again, going through the, the program. Um, I wanted to work with eating disorder patients. That's, again, why I decided to do this. But as I got into my program, I also at the same time really got into endurance sports. I started running first, then I started triathlon, and then I went all in with triathlon, Ironman distance. I mean, it, it became my life. Um, and so as I was going through my bachelor's, I'm thinking, I want to go more sports nutrition. That's, that's where, you know, my passion really lies. And I believe I could still help disordered eating patients, but just through the sports nutrition realm. So got my bachelor's, um, in nutrition and then went on to do my master's with the master's came the internship to be a dietitian. You have to have a nine month, um, internship that exposes you to all different areas of nutrition so that you have the background of understanding what clinical nutrition is like and school food service and WIC. And um, of course I did sports rotations. So that's how I ended up, um, you know, finishing up my master's. And then when I came out of school, there was no job that I wanted to go into. So we, um, my husband and I started uh, triathlon stores and then I had offices in those triathlon stores. And so I was able to, people would come in to shop to talk about races and that kind of thing. And it was a perfect fit for me to, to sell my nutrition services to these athletes. So that's how it started. That's how I'm, I am where I am. I don't have the triathlon stores anymore, but um, I love the nutrition consulting aspect. Yeah. What, um, What's been your experience with disordered eating in the athlete uh, realm or arena? Because you know, I, I think we we oftentimes 
maybe think those are two separate things, but I, you know, I know from just being in that space for my entire career, most of my career, that it's something that's definitely pervasive, but what, how, how have you been able to, or what's it looked like to, to service those, those patients and those individuals, but through the lens of, of sports nutrition, how, how is that showing up in kind of the endurance sports space or the athlete space? Yeah, it's interesting. It depends. I have found that it depends on the level of the athlete. So the more elite up to professional, maybe there's more um, pressure on those individuals to be a certain weight, uh, to look a certain way. Um, So I think that factors in. And I also found that with just general you know, age groupers in triathlon or people that are just generally racing more recreationally. A lot of people have the goal of trying to shed weight or reach a certain body composition goal while also trying to keep their performance elevated at at its, its top level for them. And there's a bit of a conflict there because if you're trying to lose weight and to reach, you know, retain your, your power, your strength, your immunity going into races is very tricky. And so that's what I've been able to work a lot with people on is making sure they stay healthy throughout training and racing. And they're not, you know, um, under consuming calories, under consuming carbohydrates and putting their cells at risk. Yeah. That's something that, like you said, we, I think so many, so many, uh, athletes and, you know, I think it's easy for folks like me and you to, to see it when you're in this space every day, but I know that, a lot of athletes struggle to understand kind of the season, like how to compartmentalize these different goals. Like you said, they, you know, it's like, okay, when I'm in like peak race prep, like it's probably not the time to do some of these other things, right? It's going to be really challenging to, to kind of feed the machine and, and keep all those boxes checked and keep your body in a place where it can actually produce those efforts and, um, and, and get to some, you know, lose weight or get to some sort of body composition. What's your, um, like, what's the runway that you recommend for athletes? Like if, you know, let's say they have a, you know, marathon, you know, in the fall, here we are at the early part of 2024. Um, what, you know, how do we tackle that in a way, or how do we address the nutrition, the fueling, the lifestyle piece uh, in a way that's like sustainable. So what's that runway typically, you know, what's your recommendation for how someone should do that in a way that's like safe and productive? Yeah. So if someone has a goal uh, and I try to, within my work with clients, not focus on weight, um, weight's a slippery slope. (laughs) And a lot of times people are comparing their current weight to a high school weight or a college weight something that's just not, you know, as we age, there's, there's physiologic changes that are happening, um, hormones changing and that kind of thing that don't often, that oftentimes don't allow people to get back to this ideal weight in their head. Um, but that being said, when people want to make positive body, body changes, I fully promote that and support that, um, and focus more on, you know, changing body composition. The earlier they come to me, wanting to make some of these changes further out from their race, obviously the more time we have to work um, on it at that point when they're just establishing their base, as opposed to, you know, six months down the road when they're in the heavy build 
that's not a good time, as you had mentioned, to be tackling some of these goals. So doing it earlier on and then just realizing that there's something called nutrition periodization, which means as you go through your training block, your needs are constantly evolving up and down. Um, it's not just, you know, one um, stable recommendation for the whole year. There's a lot of, um, you know, um, changes that happen as you go through different training cycles. So I want to maybe go back to a point that you mentioned earlier um, that, or, or maybe just address the, you know, there's certainly like a pervasive um, mindset in kind of the endurance sports community and athletes at large. Like athletes look a certain way. Right. And I know that that can be really disruptive for a lot of athletes, you know, whether it's how they feel about themselves or whether it's um, or maybe we could even take athletes away from that. We could say, you know, can be disruptive for a lot of individuals. Um, but, you know, with social media and every, you know, we, we see pictures, uh, we're just inundated with like pictures of what it's what what we you know, imagine like an athlete looks like, or like a fit body. And I'll use quotes for all that. Um, how do you help? I don't know, maybe one, like what's your kind of take on that? And then two, how do you help people just arrive at a point that's like best for them, right? Like, uh, um, aside from, or irrespective of, you know, having a six pack or being some super lean triathlete and some, you know, I mean, there's, we, we have all these like pictures in our head of like, Oh, if we don't look like this person, then I'm not, I'm not an ex, right. I'm not a runner. I'm not a triathlete. I'm not a, so yeah, I don't know what's just like, I'd love to hear just your kind of perspective on that. And then, and then how you help people address, I think just, you know, the realities of living in the world that we do and, and being exposed to all these external kind of validation pieces. Mm -hmm. Oh, the comparison game is, it seems like it's inevitable these days with social media, right? And it can be very dangerous and, and very damaging for people. What I like to see currently is some of the pro triath female triathletes and ultra runners kind of challenging this, um, these ideals and saying, you know what, there is no ideal. Um, we all have different body types. We all look best at different weights and BMIs and, and body composition. And not everybody should be pigeonholed into this, this ideal body type. So I love seeing that coming from down from the pros because people listen and they say, oh, okay, well, you know, I should be comfortable with myself as well. Um, I think that um, something that I have noticed with clients is that a lot of times people do come to me and they're like, I have this weight goal. I want 10 to 15 pounds off. <clears throat> so depending on where they're at in their training cycle, if it's a healthy time for them to try to shed a little bit of weight, I'll build recommendations around that. A lot of times what I see is that using an example of someone who wants to be, let's say they are 150 and they want to be 140. Well, they get to 145 or they get closer to 140 and they start realizing that they're running or they're cycling or they're whatever their activity is, is suffering because they are that now compromising their immunity, their power, their strength, that kind of thing. 
And so I think sometimes it takes people seeing that themselves. And, it, and sometimes it goes the other way too. Sometimes people shed a few pounds and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. I'm able to run lighter and that kind of thing. So it's highly individual. Um, but I think it takes sometimes people see, seeing it for themselves. My job as a dietitian is to kind of build positive messaging and to say, listen, there is no right weight. There's no ideal body weight. That is total falsity. There is no ideal body weight for a, a specific person. It's where do you feel your best and where do you feel that you're performing your best? So. Yeah. The, the performance piece, I think, I mean, that can't be overstated, right? Is that we, we forget that specifically with our athlete lens on, but even it's just, you know, if it's people who don't have athletic goals, I mean, the end of the day, like the only metric that we really care about is like, how do you feel, right? How, how do you feel doing the things that you like to do, right? Engaging, like moving through the world. And I think we, so it's, you know, we, we forget about that, right? We're like chasing that ideal composition or that, like what we think is, you know, again, I'll use quotes like ideal look. And, um, and then we don't feel great. You know, we don't, it's like not where our body performs exactly. best. Um, yeah. What's one of the things that I've, that I like had to really grapple and I've been lucky. I've, I've never had to deal with, um, or, like disordered eating or it's, it's never been an issue. Um, but even like changing, you mentioned earlier, like as we get older and things change, then I think often like with, you know, a, kind of a, a normal part of like our trajectory as athletes is, you know, we, we explore different modalities, right? Like you, like, you know, full on, you know, Ironman triathlete to, I know like this year you're running Boston and looking at ultra distance, you know, running races. And so those are very different things. And like, as we explore our athletic identity, our bodies change too, you know? And that was one of the things like that I had to really, I, it kind of hit me by surprise. Where like when I was racing bikes professionally, I was like 130 something pounds. Now I was also in my early, early into my mid ish twenties. Um, and, and then I started to like run more and I, I was riding, but just kind of recreationally. And then I was like 150 ish pounds. And then I was like doing more stuff in the mountains and like just exploring different modalities. And then that creeped up a little more and like my waist size was staying the same, but mm -hmm. I was like, man, like I'm in like now I'm almost 200 pounds. And, and I kind of had to like grapple with that a little bit. I was like, oh man, like, am I, like, am I not fit or is this like, do I need to like, even as much as I know about how to be healthy and how to fuel my body, like it's still crept in. I was like, do I need to like burn more calorie? Like, am I getting, you know, I was like, am I getting fat? Like, is it, and I'm not like it literally I can see in the mirror, like, but it just, I couldn't help myself. Yeah. And I was like, man. And I just kept, like you said, like comparing myself to one, like my 20 years ago self and, and just a totally different time in my life mm -hmm. and that body. And then even like looked at pictures and I was like, Oh man, like I was really like lean and like, athletic and then I was like I don't look like that now um so I tell that story to highlight like how what's been your experience with working with individuals who just like are on that journey and I think it like we change you know like it's it's probably not realistic to be and maybe not even 
healthy in some ways to be like the exact same body composition for decades on end. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, we reflect upon that, like time we thought we were at our best. And like you said, that's so often like a very younger version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's the high school version. It's the college version. Um, so yeah, like what's, yeah, I'd love to just hear your perspective on what that experience is like on the dietitian side or even like your own, I mean, you've been an athlete a long time, like maybe your own like personal experience or journey with just that like evolution of athletic identity. Well, and it, the funny thing is, is it happens to all of us. Everybody ages, right? And everyone's body changes in some way. I think very small percentage of people look the same at age 20 as they do at age 40 or 50, just because changes, body change, bodily changes that are happening, you know, muscle mass decrease and that kind of thing. We have to work harder for results as we get older. We have to change our, a lot of our nutrition strategy, especially, you know, for women as they approach, approach perimenopause and go through menopause and postmenopause. Women, after they have babies, bodies are totally different. And there's really some fun surprises that go along with that for a lot of them, (laughs) um, myself included. So I think that's been, for me personally, that's probably where the challenges really have, have been, um, as far as an athlete goes, because I did a lot of my triathlon racing Ironmans before I had my kiddos. And then I had three pregnancies. Well, and actually when I did my last Ironman, I had just had my second pregnancy and went straight from two pregnancies into boom, into real heavy Ironman training. Well, I mean, I progressed, I didn't injure myself, you know, but you know, I had to go do some seek out PT to, to work out some uter, some prolapse issues, just things that you never think about when you're in your twenties, you know, um, until you, until you experience some of this life stuff. So I guess, you know, in a nutshell, it's something that we all experience in different ways and you don't have a choice about it. So you kind of just got to roll with it and figure out and, mm-hmm. and also be open to, hey, maybe my body at this weight is where I'm supposed to be right now. Maybe I'm the best athlete that I can be at this weight. And if I start taking weight off, that's again when I start compromising you know, on my, my performance. So I think most of the athletes I work with are pretty comfortable with that once they figure out that this is kind of their new new norm as long as they feel good about themselves they feel good in their clothes or clothes fit they're like okay this is you know kind of a different i'm moving into a little bit different era of my life so mm-hmm. yo the uh what's the mental part of that for the folks that you're talking to you know because and yeah you, you touched on it but i'm just curious like you know, we can address the, obviously like the prescriptive side of things, right? And this happens on the coaching front too. It's like, we can write all the best workouts in the world and like have the best plan mapped out and, and like, okay, this is your route to success. Like, you know, mm-hmm. or, or as best as we can, can map it out. And then there's the, you know, it's, it's self doubt. It's like, it's that nagging, like, oh, you know, I, I look different or, um, kind of like making peace, like you said, with like that, that body composition and, and just their ability levels and where they're at in their life. Um, yeah. What's been your experience again, like personally or like professionally with just helping people navigate 
that side of things. Cause mm-hmm. I'm sure you would agree. Like that's the most dynamic part, right? It's like, we can have the best plan and all the best knowledge. And then it's, it's the, it's the mental game, right? It's the stuff yeah. that, you know, happens between our, between our ears. So Ish. yeah, I'd love to, you, yeah. You know, something that I've noticed in um, myself and with others is that I feel like your mental toughness as you have years of these endurance sports under your belt, it gets so much better. I'm so much Mm. stronger now than I was in my late twenties when I started, um, with this. And I find that to be true with a lot of clients as well, because if you're still in it, (laughs) as you get into your forties, your fifties, your sixties, you're pretty darn tough. Like you've done a lot of hard things at this point. And to be in that point, you have to be pretty flexible, adaptive, um, accepting of, of, again, your changes that your body has gone through and just having a pretty good amount of gratitude for health and being able to do some of this, you know, stuff as well. So um, I know like for me, you know, the Boston qualifying race was huge for me because once I did that and I was lucky enough to do it my first attempt, which was huge for me because I didn't know if it would take 10 attempts. I was I was putting going to put in all the time that it, that it required, but I got it the first time. And I was like, wow, I don't think I could have done this 10 years ago. Not as much from the physical side of it. And I didn't have kids at that point. So I would have had more training time, hypothetically, but more from like, I want it. My brain, I can tell my brain, my brain knows how much I want it. And it's going to fight for things. So I think that's something that's kind of cool as athletes age is you get tougher as you go. There's no question about it. Um, even, you know, queen of, of ultra running Courtney, I was reading an article that she put out, you know, she was featured in the other day and she was just talking about how her mental toughness um, since she started with ultra running and just, you know, where she's at now compared to then. It's pretty amazing what your, your mind can do. There's so much value in, in like having water under the bridge, right? To your point, like I think, and I, I think that's a piece of kind of the athletic experience that gets overlooked is there is something, there's kind of no replacing just being in it enough and having enough cumulative experiences that you can just kind of adapt, right? That you just, you know, you know, I tell people that with like racing in particular, it's like, you know, we can plan and we can have the best training and the best nutrition and the best, and like, you're still, like, you, you still just got to be in it, yeah. you know, and you still just kind of have to show up at the start line enough to know that it'll be fine <laughs> and that you can kind of, you can adapt and when something goes sideways, no matter what that is, yeah. right? It's a GI thing. It's a flat tire. It's a blister. It's a, right. The list goes on, right? Like, yeah those experiences, those outcome-based scenarios are so much out of our control that, yeah, you just have to kind of be in it enough, you know, and certainly new athletes, and we all do this, but newer athletes put so much pressure on these singular moments and events, right? And I, I think that there's a lot of value, not that we don't, we can't care about those things, but knowing too that like, like hopefully I can do it next year, right? Like I think that's been the biggest change for me is if I'm if I have like a a goal, 
whether it's a race or like uh, something in the mountains I'm doing, like some sort of objective, you know, I care about that thing, but I also like, I'll do it next year. I'll do right. Like it's just building. It's just a stepping stone in the direction of being a lifelong athlete. So there's almost this kind of relinquishing the pressure isn't as great because I can, I'll just keep building, mm-hmm. right? Like if it goes sideways and I don't feel great or something happens or I break my toe or whatever, right? <laughs> like, um, it's okay. I can, you know, I can, I can come back next year. I can try yeah. something else. I can continue to build. Um, what's been, yeah. Like what, I mean, you're on a, you're on a new trajectory or maybe not new, but like divergent from some of your historical like endeavors, like triathlon, Boston, and then I know you're looking for an ultra distance run later this year. Like, walk me through just that evolution of kind of how you've directed your interests and stayed engaged. And I'm always fascinated in how people um, stay excited and stay engaged for forever. Mm-hmm. You know, because <laughs> um, we also it's kind of a pervade. You know, in a, in like the world of like 90 days to fitness, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm like, well. Or, or forever, like hopefully <laughs> until you die. <laughs> you know, people are like, when is it? Yeah, people are like, when is it over? I'm like, never. I don't yeah. know, you know, <laughs> when the casket closes. Um, yeah, what's, uh, what's, what's been, uh, yeah, what, what's that look like for you? Well, and first, just to go back real quick, I so uh, um, can appreciate what you were saying in the last comment there about like adapting to whatever the, a race might throw at you because there's always going to be something that goes wrong. And Mm -hmm. when I work with my nutrition clients, you know, I take away a lot of those what ifs in the nutrition and hydration realm, but I, we don't, I can't control every single thing that happens, you know, but that being aside, you know, there's crashes that happen, happen on bikes. There's, you know, all different weather, all this type of thing. So being able to adapt to whatever comes your way is such a huge life lesson that goes way beyond racing. And, um, and just the confidence that, that people, athletes are able to build from these races it, that you can apply to all other areas of your life, not just your athletic, you know, area of your life. So, um, how do I stay engaged after I did that last Ironman? It was in 2018. I was burnt out with triathlon. Oh my goodness. I was like, never again. I don't ever want to see my bike again. It was a very challenging race and I trained for it with two kids under like right around two an infant and a a two-year-old and with a business and it was crazy. Um, And so I took a long break from triathlon and I said, okay, what's something that I could do now with like with, you know, my current mom situation. And then I eventually had my third kiddo Viv. I'm like, what can I do? I can do running. Running's a lot simpler. I can get on a treadmill. It's a lot less gear. I don't have to, you know, a lot of the bike, the cycling stuff is time consuming and you have to have a lot of, a lot more time to be able to do all that cycling and that kind of thing. So I went into running and I, my focus was, okay, let's get to Boston. And so now that that's coming up in April, I'm really excited to have that goal, you know, that's coming up, um, that I can check off. Um, and now I have a reestablished love for triathlon that's coming at, come out of nowhere. I feel like I just needed some time, you know, some time away, reconnected with the group, a group of amazing triathletes in Bozeman, and they sucked me right back in. And, and so now I'm, I'm exploring and I'm not up to full Ironman. I don't think, I think it's going to be a while before that, 
but a half Ironman this summer. And that's going to be really cool. And then looking at doing my first ultra, that's something I've been wanting to do forever. I've had so many ultra clients, so many. And for me as a dietitian, it's important to me that I've experienced what these people that I'm leading towards these races um, are, are experiencing. And so even though I feel like I've done a 50K, a 50 mile, or even a hundred miler in my head because I've built fuel plans and that kind of thing, I want to get out there and experience it. And so that's, that's where the goal of the 50 miler comes in is that's a really important part of what I do is do I walk the walk? You know, um, can people trust me because they know I've been there, not just that I've read journals. Um, so I feel like both pieces are important. Yeah. What, um, I know I've always, I, I've, I think there is some, so much value in, um, like kind of being our own, um, <laughs> you know, I've called myself a lab rat, you know, self-imposed. I'm like, you know, like I, it's, you're kind of a student of the sport, you know, you're a student of, um, of, of what it looks and feels like to, to, to grapple with and, and face and set challenges like similar to the people that we work with. Um, you know, I do think that that's important. You know, of course we don't have to do every single thing there's, you know, there's, you know, who has time to do, you know, all the different disciplines, but, um, yeah, I love, I, I mean, do you, do you find like, is it still exciting or, or whatever language you would use to like test to like test those things out on yourself or like or experiment with, with maybe test isn't the right word, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Is that still like motivating and like yeah. fun to kind of tweak those things? For sure. It, it's so fun. Like I get, I like to get my hands on new products. If there's new, you know, fueling products that come out there um, on the market. And there's been a lot lately. When I first started this business in 2012, we were pretty limited, you know, I mean, as far as there was, goo and power bar and like the, the basics. Um, I like to encourage my clients to kind of get outside of those, um, products and, and kind of expand, you know, their, their knowledge and try different things. Um, but no, that's super exciting for me because at the end of the day, even tw- what am I like 12, 13 years in, into this, I am as passionate about it as when I started, if not more so. Um, so that makes me happy. That's a good sign that, you know, I did the right thing when I went back to school kind of as a later returning student is like, I really love what I do and, and helping people. Yes. Helping them through their, their goal, their a race or whatever it might be. Yes. But also again, translating all of what they've learned into their life and how they can apply it and be more confident human beings and more, you know, just know that they can do things they never thought they could do. That's the coolest thing. That's one of my biggest, I think the thing that keeps me most excited about continuing to like engage in, you know, my version of like athleticism and, endurance sports and whatever that looks like is, is, um, the direct corollaries in every other area of my life. Right. Like I've even, uh, I've kind of 
developed a bit of like a, it's almost like a mantra now over the last several years. Like fitness is a really great uh, side effect of exercise, right? It's like, actually the value is in, is in like the confidence and in the, like, you know, understanding that you can do hard things and that you can adapt and that you can feel good about yourself and be confident, all the things like the list goes on. And then like in route to, to, to stacking all those things and developing all those skills, fitness happens. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool side effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're like, if, you know, it feels good to be fit. Yeah. But even if, you know, if, if like that didn't happen for some reason, it's still valuable. Right. Um, and I think that's been like, that's been, I mean, I have been the person for a long, long time. It was pure fitness, mm-hmm. right? Like I didn't, I was just like, I'm, I'm a racer. I want to go fast. I want to run races. People are like, what's your why? I was like, winning races. Like, that's it. You know, and so, and that's a, I think that's an important place to have come from because so those people struggle with that, right? To understand like that undercurrent and what that, the value of like the intrinsic value of why we're doing these things and why we want to make time for them. And yeah, um, yeah. have you, um, yeah. What's been your experience with that? I mean, you touched on it, but like, I'd love to hear, I mean, again, just the journey from, you know, all these, you know, changing careers to doing things athletically. Um, what's been your biggest, maybe like takeaway from, from what being an athlete has provided you outside of a fit body? Oh, all of the learning lessons. I think for me, probably the biggest is the confidence of just, I can do this. I did my first triathlon in 2007, maybe. I didn't know what a triathlon was. I thought it was something that involved like shot put on a field. Like I had no idea what a triathlon was. And a friend (laughs) said to me, let's go do this, this Olympic triathlon. And it was a terrible first race. I mean, I was no idea. I don't even know what I was wearing. I probably wore street clothes for this race. Um, and it was a, let's just say it was a good starting point. Right. And then I was like, you know what? I can do better than that. And so the next race I did better than that. And then the next race, and then I went up to, I started moving up all the distances up to Ironman and I did an Ironman and I'm like, what am I actually doing right now? Because I did not have an athletic background. People are always like, oh, swim, bike, or run your specialty. I'm like, none. And none of them still are. I think running is more of my specialty now. Um, But no, I just had the desire to want to do it and to improve and to find confidence in that arena. And so this is a cool story. When I was in the labor and delivery room with my third kiddo, I decided that this birth was going to be a natural birth, right? So you got to really amp yourself up. I'm like, this is going to be (laughs) really painful and, and maybe horrific. I don't know. And um, there's a board in there, like a whiteboard in the hospital room. And I told my husband that was in there, I said, can you go up and write something on that board for me? Because everything, contractions were just starting. It was getting intense. And um, I said, can you go write Norseman on that board? Because that was my last Ironman that I had done a year or two prior. I used that confidence from that race to, to do the natural delivery of my child. So things that you accomplish, your race accomplishments are limitless as far as where it can take you 
you know, going forward, I always pull on race memories and say, you did that. If you did that, you can do this, you know? And so that's been really helpful. So helpful for me over the years. That's such a great story. I love that. Yeah. I mean, that's such like a direct, um, yeah, like a direct line to, you know, like the name of the race. And then that just pulls, you know, you're able to pull from those like memories and like those takeaways. Um, yeah, not to mention, you know, I'm sure you, you've probably have a much more, I've, I've heard all kinds of like versions of this, but the, like, you know, like labor being compared to like X race, right. In terms of like the, the toll that it takes on your body. And, you know, I've heard it, whatever distance it is, it's, it's, it's grueling, right? Like it's the most extreme thing of like any endurance athlete that you would go and do. It's Ironman, it's hundred miler. It's, I've heard it compared to all kinds of things. So there's also just probably that very direct, like this is a physical activity um, and I'm going to need some real physical strength um, to get through this thing. Yeah. Um, it's, It's also my identity, for a long, long time, triathlete was my my identity, one you know, a piece of my identity, and so I'm able to pull on upon that brook. When I saw Norseman on that board, I'm like, "You are that. You did that race, you know." And I think that's to be able to relate to to that and and to become because maybe on on some days I'm not Brooke Norseman. I'm I'm not strong like that. But that day, I needed to be that version of myself. So, um, anyway, mm. yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, we're not. Um, yeah, we all have off days. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not always Ironman strong. We're not always marathon strong. We're not, you know, whatever the the discipline is that that uh, you know resonates with us. So yeah, like just being able to pull from that. I find myself doing that too, you know, and like really, you know, on shitty days where it feels, you know, feels more uphill than not. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, well, this is not as bad as, you know, and I would go back to like a, you know, middle of a night in a snowstorm and a hundred mile ultra marathon or, you know, whatever, like experience. Um, and you're like, well, if I can put up with that for 12 hours, like I can put up with this for like, you know, a day, right. Or like I can have a tough conversation with someone or I can have, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no. Um, I want to bounce around or or go back because I had a thought uh, a few minutes ago and I wanted to, uh, you were talking about like exploring new products and like trying that on for yourself. And that's one of the things that, you know, we've seen this just like massive, um, evolution in products that support our athletic endeavors. Like I used to say, like I was in the same boat when I first started um, running marathons and doing triathlon, it was like the old yellow wrapper power bars that were like, you know, rip your teeth out and, you know, used to stick them to the top tube of your bike, right? Like just that. I mean, it was gross oh, yeah. and they'd melt all over your stuff. Oh. And, um, and then now, yeah, there's like, there's all kinds of things. What's like, what's uh, with your, you know, from the dietitian perspective, what's been some of the like bigger, more, I guess, positive changes that we've seen in that space? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is it good? Like what's out there that is helpful? What are some of the, yeah. Like what, what's some of the, the, 
the the best you know evolutions that we've seen in that space in terms of things to help athletes. It's a good transition overall. Very good. Um, those power bars. I know what you're talking about. They're like this big, right? I mean, they're like yeah. like really sticky and like yeah, multi mm-hmm. and just so. All of the original, like the OG sports nutrition products, I'm not a fan of. Anyone that knows yeah. me well knows that I'm not a fan of Gatorade for my athletes. Gatorade is mostly sugar, food dyes, and not enough sodium to sustain most of the athletes that I see. Um, goo, I'm not a big fan of goo because it shreds people's GI systems. I have a hand, I mean, there's a couple, a handful of clients who are like, I really like goo. I've been using it for a long time. It works well for me. Cool. It works for you. Um, but for most people, there's been a whole assortment of other products that have hit the market that are more natural, if you will. Um, one example I like to use is Huma Gel. Huma, they use, they formulate it with chia seeds. So it changes the consistency and the texture of the gel a little bit in a favorable way to most people. It's more of like a jelly or a jam instead of goo is more of like a, like a, how would you explain goo? Like a, yeah, I was going to say, I was like, as you're, as you're, I was like, what is that? I can like feel it. You know, I've, I've eaten thousands of them. Yeah. Um, I, they don't work for me anymore, but you know what? Yeah. What is the, yeah. It's like a, it's like an, it's almost it's like, like a, an icing or something. You know, yeah, like yeah, that's ex- yeah. It's like a thick icing, I think, and it's kind of gritty like that too. Like if you were to just like squeeze, yeah. And, it, and you can. I know. I've, it, I've never had to like think about how to how to describe talk it. about the texture, and it's hard to nail down. But I think uh, yeah, icing is good. <laughs> well, and it's not real food, and so it makes sense. It would be hard to describe. Whereas Cuba. Right. It still has some refined sugars added to it, but it has actual pureed fruit in there. So it's closer to resembling a real food item, which I believe our bodies respond much better to. Um, and um, the other thing about goo is it feels like it's rotting your teeth as it's going on. You know, you're like, I actually mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I'm going to need a root canal after this race, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. so that's, you know, some of the challenges. But um, so products like Huma, Spring Energy um, is another one that people really like. Mirror Energy, um, like M-U-I-R Energy. The cool about thing about some of these products is that they've been more designed for the ultra communities, I feel like, in that mm. they're not all just carbohydrate. Sometimes they pull on some nut butter um, or some nuts for a little bit of fat and protein. Um, and so it's a little bit more diverse than the traditional um, gels. Some races call for more straight up carbohydrate the entire time, depending on the intensity and li- the length of the race and also the timing of where you're at in the race. But some races, y- you need more than just carbohydrate if you're doing a hundred mile running race. Like you have to have other mm-hmm. nutrients in there. Otherwise you don't have any satiety, nothing to keep you full, nothing to keep that stomach situated, you know, like stable. So um, I've been really happy to see that even things like Squirrel's Nut Butter and various brands that, you know, people are saying, okay, I'm going to think outside the box a little bit and start using some different products. And then certainly mm-hmm. with ultra running, people use real food, you know, aid stations are, are known, um, notorious for 
quesadillas to corn dogs to gummy bears. <laughs> and so that's a very yeah. different individual conversation that I need to have with athletes about what are you able to tolerate? Uh, yeah. So that's the, uh, the adage that, uh, you know, ultra marathons are just eating, eating events with racing thrown in or running, <laughs> running mixed in. Um, <laughs> Yeah, nothing like the 75 mile, you know, pepperoni pizza at the aid station or whatever, which exactly. I have certainly uh, taken part in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It seems like we've, it seems like we've come a long way too on the, you mentioned Gatorade, which um, has always seemed weird to me. You know, I'm like, this is just Kool Aid, like, but, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, it seems like we've come a long way on the hydration side of things too, um, with just like understanding actual electrolytes and like sweat rate and what that means for different athletes. And it's not just like dumping sugar in there. And, you know, it feels like we're getting more nuanced in that space too, to actually support athletes um, versus like a one size fits all. What's, what are the, um, what's, what's your, I guess, stance or advice on like the hydration side of things in terms of like electrolytes. And I know it's super individualized, but just as like a baseline, um, yeah. What, what should people be looking for? Cause I think that's something we miss and most people are, are chronically dehydrated anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Like put, I mean, push back if that's not been your experience or if I'm way off, but I feel like most people just don't hydrate during their lives and then they go exercise and then they try to like get it all in and they, you know, and it's just this kind of like spiral of always being behind. Um, so yeah, what's the hydration side of things look like from your perspective? Oh, I could talk about hydration literally all day. I get so fired up talking (laughs) about it because I've been doing the sweat testing, the precision hydration and sweat testing for so long. I have seen everything and I would say, yeah, you're accurate in saying a lot of athletes are dehydrated chronically, and a lot of athletes are really under consuming sodium. Um, mm. You know, you kind of, you grow up hearing on media and going to the doctor and all these things like don't overconsume sodium. If you do, your blood pressure is going to skyrocket. And I always have to explain to an athlete when they come in, I'm like, you are not sitting on the couch eating Big Macs and boosting your sodium up through the roof. You are out there sweating. You're losing a ton of sweat. And in that sweat, of the electrolyte that makes up sweat is sodium. So if you don't replace your sodium, your body is going to tell you quickly um, in ways like muscle cramping, not recovering, extreme fatigue, GI issues, the list goes on and on. So with the testing that I do, it's looking at sweat composition or how salty your sweat is or how unsalty your sweat is. And because there's such a huge range when it comes to person to person, anywhere from 200 milligrams of sodium lost to 2000 milligrams of sodium lost per liter of sweat, you, until you have a test and assess what's going on with you individually, it's very hard to know what you need in the way of electrolytes. And electrolytes is such a blanket term, you know, people are like, what do I need? Do I need all of the electrolytes? Do I just need sodium? What type of product? You know, there's a million products out there. And so that's something I've been so fortunate to do with people is really help them fine tune their hydration plan, which in turn um, elevates their performance to the highest level possible, assuming their, their fueling plan is on par with where it needs to be too. 
Um, so, you know, I think generally speaking, people come in and they're like, um, I'll, I'll use an example of this week. I had a client come in. He's taking in one seventh of the amount of sodium that he needs per hour. So taking in about 140 milligrams of sodium needs 750 milligrams of sodium. And that's a huge difference, you know, Um, or or whatever the exact math was. It was was way under what he needs to be taking in. And people are scared to overconsume. But after I explained to them that you actually need it, that your body will start shutting down if you don't have the the correct amount of sodium going back in, um, that, that you really do need that. So... Um, you know, I'd say on average athletes need anywhere from 500 milligrams to a thousand milligrams per hour, but that is very heavily tied to the amount of fluid that you're taking in per hour. It's a ratio. So it's hard to just say, give that recommendation without knowing how much fluid they're taking in and what their losses are. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's been one of the great, we've, we've, uh, to your point, we've, we've um, applied some nuance to like the sodium conversation, right? We, they used to just be this blanket. Uh, I remember even, you know, when I was training really hard and racing a lot, it was like, yeah, they were like, Oh, you can't take in too much sodium. And like fast forward, um, I am a very salty sweater. Like I've worked like with you, like uh, just like you have worked with persistent hydration for a number of, number of years, have been a partner at TEC. He's like done the sweat tests, and I'm like, oh no wonder. <laughs> like I, I'm like I use their like maximum product, um, and then of course like, and then if it's hot or I'm on you know plate like that just gets you know it's more and more. Um, so yeah, I think, and then even now like we're seeing it's becoming more common to do. Um, you know, to put a little bit of like, we're, we're talking about like the uptake of water, right? Mm-hmm. People are, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, but we're understanding more that just like chugging, you know, three gallons of water, straight water a day, like might not be doing what we've, you know, the intended uh, outcome, which is hydration, right? You actually need something for the body to like soak that up. And so you're seeing, you know, adding a little bit of salt and adding like, you know, squeeze a lemon or add, you know, and just kind of daily hydration and how we're thinking about that. Um, what's your, what, um, yeah. How should people approach again, knowing that it's really individualized, but what's your, what's your take on like, you know, how to drink, how to hydrate like in our lives, you know, and, and this, you know, I feel like for a while we were just cramming water, right? Everybody was just peeing every like 10 minutes. And now I think we're, we're trying to, there's a bit of nuance there where we're kind of backing off of some of that and and understanding like how the body works. What's, uh, yeah. What's your thoughts there? Well, and it, it is tricky with keeping sodium where it needs to be. It's kind of a narrow range that sodium is happiest at. And if you overconsume fluid, you can get into issues where you completely throw your sodium out of whack. And that happens with athletes who are under-consuming sodium in race-type scenarios, and they end up, end up in the medical tent needing IVs because their cognitive function is totally dropped off. They don't know where they're at. Their GI system isn't working and that kind of thing. So hydrating it well is very important. You can overhydrate. Um, And that's what leads into hyponatremia. 
As far as day-to-day hydration goes, I'm seeing a huge boost in people. Most people coming in to meet with me are using Element or there's the other one that is sold at Costco. Um, And it not only has a good amount of sodium, but it has like a lot of the B vitamins and other nutrients in it. I can't remember the name right now. Um, It'll it'll come to me. But Element's really, really popular right now. It's a thousand milligrams of sodium which that's a pretty good amount. So if you start getting people taking four or five of those packets a day and, and they're not sweating out, you know, their, their sweat losses aren't, aren't big, you, you could overconsume sodium with that type of thing. A thousand milligrams is a, is a hearty chunk of sodium. So that being said, I don't know that a full packet of that is necessary, you know, um, to take with you on a walk or be walking around the office because most people are consuming a decent amount of sodium just in their day-to-day life, um, just through food sources. Our food sources of sodium are sodium chloride and most of the quality sports nutrition sources of sodium are sodium citrate. So there is a distinction there between the type of sodium that you need, depending on what your acti- what activity you're doing, or if you're just trying to generally remain hydrated. If you eat a decently, um, you know, moderate amount of sodium just in your day-to-day life, you're probably okay with just water. Um, now that being mm-hmm. said, I'm in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. And while wow, this place heats up, especially as you get towards summer. So I do have some people add in a supplement as they get into summer because you just sweat walking out to your car, you know, so highly individual, depending on where you live, um, how much you're sweating, what your activity level is like and what your dietary sodium is like. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, again, I think that's where I see the the biggest positive change just in this conversation around nutrition and fueling and even just athletic, you know, our athletic endeavors in general is just a conversation is being open up to explore more, more nuance. Mm-hmm. Right. And I always say like that ends up being kind of the theme of this podcast. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's never just a straight answer, right? Like there it's, what type of sodium, what type of fuel, what's your, right. There's so many. And for so long in so many different genres, we have just given these very blanket Mm -hmm. statements. And again, that's pervasive on social media, right? You have people that are like, this is the gospel, right? This is, and you're like, well, I mean, to what end, right? To to whom are you speaking? Um, And, and maybe, but maybe not. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I, we take these things and then we get so, um, it's so easy to get, um, you know, kind of for that to become our, 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 you know, hill that we die on, Mm -hmm. right. Whether it's diet or hydration or particular products or particular supplements and the list goes on. And so, um, yeah, I love your take that. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, it depends. Like there's, (laughs) there's a lot of opportunity to explore how to maximize your performance and how you feel and your potential, but it, it's all very individualized. So that's the one um, thing. That's the top thing I've learned in all these years in business is it has to be individual. If I come in with a client with a set idea of what should happen with them, you cannot do that because that, and that's what makes it interesting too. It'd be so boring if I implemented the same plan with everybody. And so it, right. all the way down to products, hydration products, goos, chews, what type, real food, not real food. It's got to be individual. And I, and I really get 
on social media, when that blanket approach is put on everybody, I get very frustrated with that because that is not what is going to benefit everybody the most. It might benefit a small group of people, but not, not the individual. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Same thing on the coaching front too. You know, we, it's, it depends. Yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, like as coaches working with athletes, like we have some constructs, we have some theories and some philosophies, you know, physiologically that we know support an athlete's general kind of trajectory and well-being, but how we go about eliciting that and putting that into play in an individual's life that's balancing all these different pieces is wildly different, right? Two athletes going for the same race, that approach should look very different right. right now. You might be hitting similar benchmarks because there's things we're trying to, but how you get there, you know, that path is totally individualized. So, You're right. um, well, uh, that seems like a high point to, to end on, uh, and something that I, um, I believe in is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you got to find what works for you. You got to find your own, your own path to get there. So, um, yeah, thanks Brooke. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you for having me.